Okay, welcome to Sisterhood Lesson 6. You guys, this one is all about the armor of God. And I really wanted to bring in all the pieces. In fact, Kristen said to me earlier this week, do you have props? And I said, no, I don't have props. And she goes, oh, you really should have props. And so I quick did Amazon like we should do for everything that we absolutely need. Not really. I like to try to shop local, but I needed it quick. And... You guys, it just didn't do it justice. The only piece I found that was decent enough was the helmet. The rest of them was like this little puny shield that was plastic and a little sword. And I'm like, no, the armor is so powerful. I can't bring in these little plastic things. So instead, we are just going to imagine what they would be like. And I'll do my best to describe them. And you can open up your Bibles to Ephesians 6, because that's what we're going over. We're, we're going to do something that I don't typically do. And we're just going to go verse by verse by verse. Ephesians 6, and then we're going to do verses 10 through 18. So we'll get to that. If you're a, a note taker or you like to write in your Bible, tonight might be your night. You might absolutely love that. But before we start, there's a couple things we have to understand. Before we get to the armor, we have to understand about our battles. We have to understand about his power. In case you guys haven't noticed, there's a battle going on out there. There's a battle going on in here. There's a battle between light and darkness, between truth and lies. There's a battle for our kids. There's a battle for our marriages. There's a battle for our freedom. There is a battle happening all the time. And even though we can't see it, it doesn't mean it's not real. A couple weeks ago, Kristen Peterson talked about the heavenly realms, right? And where we're seated. And we're seated up there. And we can't see that heavenly realm that we're seated. And it's just like the, this this uh, realm of darkness, even though we can't see it, it doesn't mean it's not real. The enemy is very real. His effects are very real, but do not fear. Why? Because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. We have victory. We already won. Jesus wins. We know that the battle has already been won. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight, that victory that we have and why we can stand with confidence knowing that we're victors, that we're standers, that we're going to win this battle. I want to start in Ephesians 6, 12. I know I said 10, but I'm just going to go to 12 real quick. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Again, what does it say? Just because we can't see him doesn't mean it's not real. We're not wrestling, we're not fighting, we're not battling against the people that are sitting at our table or are in, living in our neighborhoods or are at our workplace. There is a spiritual realm of darkness. The enemy is real and he has one thing in mind. He wants to attack us and he wants to bring us down. See, the enemy knows you as a daughter of God cannot be destroyed, so he has other goals. He wants to distract you. He wants to discourage you. He wants to divide you. He wants to disable you from experiencing everything that is rightfully yours as the adopted daughter of our Father. You've been adopted into the family of God, and because of that, you have access to a lot of things, and the enemy would love to stop us, would love to paralyze us. Why? Because if we're stuck, we're not moving forward. We're not effective witnesses for Jesus Christ. The enemy wants you to think that you're alone. He wants you to think that no one's ever experienced pain like this. No one's ever had a situation like this. 
Okay, that's the ploy of the devil, ladies. Remember, he comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And he wants to distract and discourage us. I'm not giving the enemy more credit than he deserves. I'm just saying we need to be aware of him. We need to be aware of his strategy. We need to be aware of his tactics. But here's the thing. We win. We win. We know that. Okay? So that's why this, the truth, that's why we have to know the truth. That's why we have to know what the word of God says. When you know the truth, deception leaves. When you know the truth, lies have to be broken. The truth sets you free, right? You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Here's what else you have to know. Satan is not God's peer. They are not equals. He cannot read your mind. He cannot be everywhere at the same time. He cannot work miracles. Satan's running out of time, and I think he's getting a little scared, and so he's warring. It feels like he's revving it up a little bit, doesn't he? But he's got boundaries. We don't have to be afraid. We just have to be aware. We have to be on guard. The enemy's real, but he's invisible. The struggle's going to come, but do not fear Greater is he who's in you than he who is in the world. Okay, so in Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, which is in your Bible, probably titled Armor of God, right? Paul says, hey, before we get into the weaponry, you, the weaponry, you have to understand a few things. You have to know that power is in you. You have to recognize it. You have to understand that He's gonna, if you've accepted Jesus as Lord, he's infused this power into you. Okay, let's look at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Underline the word finally. Okay, in the Greek, that means the last and most important thing I have said to you. So it's as if Paul is instructing them. Hey, if you remember nothing else, remember this. Be strong in the Lord and in his might. And that be strong, it's a command. It's not actually a suggestion. He's like, do this, receive this, take this power, let it be infused into you. Okay, Paul, let me, let me tell you this. Paul was writing to the church of Ephesus. You know that already because we've been studying Ephesians. And here's what the church was doing at the time. They had a ton of knowledge. They knew a lot of things. Hmm. Sound like some other places right now. But because they knew so much, they had dropped their armor and they were trying to operate in their flesh. Again, sound familiar. They were trying to operate in their own strength. So Paul's saying, hey, if you remember nothing else, remember this. Be strong in the Lord and in his might. Verse 11, ladies, put on the whole armor. Not one piece, not this or that, the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Okay, so here Paul tells us how the devil operates. If you ever played sports in high school or college, did you have like film night? Where, what would you do? You would study the opponent. Coach would say, okay, everybody sit down. We're going to watch film. And you'd put a game on and you'd, you'd talk about what your opponent, what your adversary, what your enemy was doing. And you'd look and see if they had a strategy and you'd look and see what their plan was. And then what would you do? You'd come up with a plan so that you could beat them. 
so that you could win. And so here's Paul's, that's what Paul's doing. He's kind of our coach right now. He's like, I'm going to tell you the enemy's strategy so that you know your opponent, so you can study your opponent so that you guys can win. Okay, so wiles of the devil ends verse 11. Let me tell you what wiles mean. It's taken from the word methodos. And then it's also taken, it's the compound word, meta and odo. So meta is a preposition that means with. Odos is the word for a road. When we compound those two together, meta and otis, it literally means with a road. That's how we get the word methodos, which is also how we get the word, what do you think? Method. Some translations actually say method, but, that, but Paul's like, that's not even strong enough to convey the full meaning of the Greek word methodos. So I'm just going to break it down. In the most literal sense, this is what Paul's saying. Hey, people, pay attention. Our enemy, the devil, he's like a traveler on the road. He only can go one direction. In fact, he doesn't even want to try to go multiple directions. He's not capable. He's headed one way with one destination in mind. He wants to bring us to a place of destruction in our lives. That's his method. That's the devil's MO. He wants to destroy us. I don't know about you guys, but like if someone does something to me to try to destroy me and it's an accident, okay, fine. If someone's scheming, planning, it's their method to destroy me, game on, right? I'm going to get a little gritty and I'm going to get mad. And so that's, the, that's, what, that's what Paul's telling the church, like, come on, you guys, game on. I'm telling you what the devil's doing. He has one road and it's to destroy you guys. Okay, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Okay, again, we see the enemy is invisible but real. And he only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Catch this. Most of the battles that you have are going to start in your mind. Hmm. Satan knows that if he can get a little control in your mind, just a little bit, it can then seep into the other areas of our weak spots in our lives. For example, if, you've, if you know a couple that had a moral failure, I'm guessing the husband or the wife didn't wake up that morning and say, you know what, today I'm going to go cheat on my spouse. It started with a lustful thought that then spiraled into something. The enemy got just a little foothold. You hear about kids that are doing self-harm or cutting. They didn't just wake up one morning and say they're going to do that. It started with a thought where I'm not loved. I'm not good enough. I don't deserve this. If someone has a gambling addiction, it likely didn't start just one day. All of a sudden, they lost it all. It was a thought or a lie in their head. I need more. I don't have enough. I have to keep filling this void. Do you see where I'm going with it? So the enemy takes these little lies and he just sees how far he can get with it. Ugh, he's so dumb. That's what I always say, tell my kids. The enemy is so dumb, but that's his strategy. He takes these little things. So what do we have to do? We have to be aware. We have to be on guard. Verse 6, 6 I'm sorry, verse 13. 
Therefore, take up the whole armor, again, not one piece, not some of it, the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Okay, therefore, underline it. If you look up that word in the Greek, it means in light of everything I have just said. So Paul's saying, hey, in light of everything that God has provided for you for spiritual power, in light of the fact that we know how the devil operates, in light of the fact that the devil's highly organized and serious in his, in his attack, in light of the fact that God has provided power for you, in light of the fact that the battle can be brutal, in light of all these things, therefore take up or put on your whole armor. Now that you know all these things, Take up or put on. Okay, it also says evil day. What's the evil day? Any day that evil comes into your day. Financial devastation. Evil has entered your day. A fight with someone in your house. Evil has entered your day. Okay, think of anything where he tries to sneak in, cause destruction, division, discourage you, whatever. Where evil has entered your day. That's the evil day. But when we're dressed with the power of God, right, when we put it on, we can withstand, underline withstand in that verse, the enemy. We can actually push the enemy back. Okay, the first part of that word in the Greek is anti, which means against. The second part of that word in the Greek means to press or to stand against. So when you push, put those two words together, it means you can actually push the enemy back. You can keep him across the line. So when he tries to put those thoughts in your head, when evil tries to come, you're like, oh, no, 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 no. And you can push him back. Push him back, push him back, way back. Did anyone do that cheer in high school? I wasn't a cheerleader, but I do remember that cheer. Okay, so push him back. That's withstand. Then the last line of verse 13, and having done all stand. See, we tend to read that verse with the whole hum attitude of like, well, I've tried everything else, so I guess I'll just keep standing. And Paul's like, no, you read that verse like you are a victor. I have the confidence to stand tall. I am remaining in him. I am standing in him. I'm not a failure. I'm not a loser. I'm a stander. I'm a victor. It's not, well, I guess I've done everything else. No, it's I'm going to stand. Right? Romans 8.31 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And then Romans 8.37, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Okay, so we know how the enemy attacks. We know we're victorious. We know he gives us the power. Now, how do we remain in that victory? Now we get to go to the armor. I told Beth right before I stepped up here, you guys, I, could, I had to finally stop researching and watching things on the armor of God or I could have taken 25 minutes on every single piece, more than that. Like I was kind of geeking out over it. So I'm going to go fast and I kind of just highlighted a few things that stuck out to me. But take this information and go do some things yourselves, your research yourself, because it's, it's amazing. But okay, honestly, isn't the word of God cool that we can... Take one verse, one line, and study it for hours. God, you're amazing. He's amazing. Okay, verse 14. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. 
So Paul then begins to share about his revelation about the belt. I thought about that. Can you imagine, like, you're seeing this Roman soldier, and the Lord starts downloading these revelations about every single piece of armor. But he says, hey, the belt, he calls it the belt of truth. Some, some Bibles say the loin belt because it covered the loins. But it's considered the most important piece because it holds everything else together. The breastplate is known to be two pieces. So the loin belt had to hold it together. On one side, there was a hook for the sword. On the other side, there was a hook for the shield. On the back of it, there was a pouch for the lance and the spears. Without the belt of truth, your armor would fall off. So the loin belt of truth is the most important piece. It's the written word of God. And it's the only piece, you guys, that we can physically touch. Okay, you can feel righteousness, but you can't put your finger on it. You can walk in peace, but again, you can't touch it. The loin belt we can actually have in our laps. And then Paul says to gird yourself up. Actually, I'm going to hold this. To gird yourself up. Gird means to tuck in or to tuck up. So soldiers that were girded up, it meant that they had picked up their, um, a lot of, you know, sometimes they had longer things on. So they had picked it up and they had tucked it in so that they were free to move. If you know the truth, the truth will set you free, right? So Paul's instructions were gird yourself up in the truth. That means take your own feelings, your own desires, bind them up, gird them up in the belt of truth. Run your life through this word. Run your life through the belt. Everything connects with this. Should I date this guy? Well, the word of God says, do not be unequally yoked. Should I take this job? Hmm. Well, why do you want the job? Is it only because of the money? Because if it's only because of the money, Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, those who love money will never be satisfied with the money they have. Those who love wealth will not be satisfied when they get more and more. This is also senseless. Something happens at work. Something happens at home. You're about ready to let some words fly out of your mouth that you know you shouldn't. You gird yourself up in the belt of truth and you stop yourself because you remember that Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but only what is good for edification, that it might impart grace to the hearers. Your loin belts gives you peace. It gives you wisdom. It gives you freedom. It gives you self-control, but only because you're wearing it, only because you go to it every single day. Here's what happens. If you take your belt off, it's only a matter of time, and the rest of your armor is going to start falling off of you. Bible is the most important piece. Okay, verse 14, the breastplate. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, like I said, the breastplate was said to be two pieces. It was said to be the heaviest of the armor. It went down the front and down the back. From what I know, it goes down to the knees. It protects all of the vital organs so that the soldier could walk in confidence knowing that the enemy couldn't attack their heart or their lungs or the, the things that give them life, right? Because I don't know about you, but I, I know an enemy that likes to attack where it hurts the worst. He likes to try to attack my most important things. And so the breastplate would give the soldier confidence to walk forward knowing that the Lord had them protected. Our breastplate covers us 
with freedom from our past failures, okay? So it allows us to advance in victory, ladies. We don't have to be looking back. We know that we can be declared righteous. It says so in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. When we sign up to have a place in God's army, we get all the free gifts that come with it. And freedom from past things is one of them. We become righteous in him. We become right in him, not because we did something, but because of him. Think about it. When you sign up for the, if you go to the military here in the U.S., you don't pay for every little piece of equipment. They just give it all to you. Everything that you're going to need to be successful, everything that you're going to need to be victorious, the military says, here, have it. It's the same with God's army. Here, you have everything you need to be successful, to be victorious when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. The breastplate also, just really quick side note, um, it was said to be made of metal. And so they said sometimes when you wore it a lot, it would start scratching a little bit. And at first it just looked like there was little scratches and it didn't look so pretty. But over time, as it scratched the metal against metal, it would become so bright that it would glisten that as you walk, think of it, if there was a whole line of Roman soldiers with this bright glistening metal on, it would actually blind the enemy so he couldn't see you to attack. Hmm. I want to be bright and shiny and glistening so the enemy is blinded by me. Yeah, verse 15. Shoes of peace. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Okay, shod means to tie tightly around your feet. These shoes were said to actually start at the knee. And from your knee to the ankle, it was metal. Why would we need metal? to keep the enemy from kicking us in the shin, from taking cheap shots, right? From time to time, you're going to have to walk through rocky things, thorny situations. Your commander might have you or allow you to walk through a rocky situation or something that's thorny, but you can do so with your shin, shin guards, I call them, and they're actually called greaves, with your greaves because the Lord has given those to you, protect you. So there might be a little bruise or a little scratch, but it's not going to take you out. The other thing in the, uh, the Roman army, what they would do, what the opponent would do a lot of times would kick you in the shins and take you down and then cut your head off. And so if you were wearing your shin guards, you couldn't be taken down. You could stand. You could take a kick. You could take another kick. And you could continue to stand. And you wouldn't just stand, you'd actually be standing peacefully. You'd be wearing the shoes of peace. Okay, another interesting thing about these shoes was on the bottom of there, there were spikes. And, and I'm not just talking like little track spikes. It, it actually says hobnails. There was hobnails on the bottom of these shoes. Why? So that when they were on in the ground, they would steady them in, right? So that if the enemy came, tried to shove you, tried to push you over, you might sway, you might bend a little bit, but you're not going anywhere. You're rooted. You're planted in place. You're planted in peace. Are you seeing it? You're rooted. You're grounded, ladies. Okay, another thing about this. There's two types of peace in the Bible. There's peace with God and there's the peace of God. The peace with God happens when you become a believer, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as it says in Ephesians 2.14. 
for he himself is our peace. So to have peace with God means the battle's finished, you've surrendered, Jesus is Lord, and you immediately have peace with God. So many Christians, most Christians, have peace with God. Well, I guess you have to be or you're not a Christian, but they have peace with God, but they don't get the peace of God. Peace of God is a supernatural peace that keeps you peaceful in your daily life and during difficult times. Okay, that's the peace that allows you to move forward. If we keep our shoes tied tightly around. That doesn't mean we have to act like the attacks aren't happening. They're going to happen. Okay, will, will a blow come? Yes. Will the enemy attack? Yes. That's the reality of it. But we aren't taken out by it. We remain planted, not moved by the peace of God. See what it says in Philippians. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Okay, so you ladies have peace with God, and you have the peace of God. Verse 16, the shield of faith. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you were able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Okay, above all. We think that meaning is meaning the most important, but we already said the loin belt was the most important. So above all actually means out front covering all. Your shield is going to be out front covering all. And a Roman soldier had a shield that was like the size of a door. It was large and rectangular and it covered him from top to bottom and side to side. See, when they entered into the army, into the Roman army, they were measured from top to bottom and side to side. So that when they had their shield out, they were fully covered. Same thing happens to us, you guys. When we become a child of God, it says that you will be measured. Romans 12.3. God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. The shield of faith. So don't compare. God's going to give you faith for your situation. The sister next to you is going to have faith for her situation. We recently had some friends that were serving overseas that got detained and arrested. And all of us looking on from a distance thought, oh, they are absolutely crazy. How can they walk through this? Well, guess what? God had given them faith for their situation. Their shield is different than my shield. I'm going to have faith for my situation. Okay, the shield also was known to be made of leather. And from what I read, it's multiple layers of leather. So it would probably get stiff over time. And so what they had to do every single morning was their first instruction was you get up and you anoint your shield with oil. They probably didn't say anoint, but they had to oil their shield. So our instruction with the shield of faith is every single morning we get up and we anoint our shield with oil. And then before the soldier would go to battle, what they'd do is they'd take this big shield and they would saturate it in water. They would completely drench it in water. Why? Because the fiery darts, it says so, right? The fiery darts of the enemy. See, their enemies would, would throw these fiery darts. They were like hollow arrows and they had cotton on the end. They'd dip them in tar and then they'd start them on fire. And that's what they would throw at the Roman soldier. So if they had their shield out in front of them, 
covering all that was oiled, and now it was drenched in water, it would quench the fiery darts. You see what I'm saying? What's the water? The word of God. Their shield was not accidentally drenched in the water. It was very purposeful. They saturated their shield so that as these darts of you don't have enough faith for this. You don't have enough faith uh, for that. You don't have hope. There's no, you don't deserve this. Okay, it would, the enemy would put their, or the Roman soldier would put their shield out and those darts would be quenched immediately. Ever feel like there's darts coming at you? Dip your shield, saturated, put it out. It has to happen. Drench your shield every day so your faith is alive and active. Okay, verse 17, the helmet of salvation. And take the helmet of salvation. So helmet in the Greek is perikaphale, and peri means round, and ka means head. So salvation is actually wrapped around your head, transforming your mind, renewing your thinking. And helmets were very interesting. This, I'm not sure if this is what exactly it looked like, but it had to be something close. But it Roman soldiers wore very innate helmets, meaning it was easily recognizable. It was probably the most recognizable thing they wore, their salvation. Hmm. They looked different. They stood out. You knew who they were when they had their helmet on. Look different. Stand out. Be different than the rest of of the world. Oh, okay, another thing. On the back of the helmet, there was this flap. This flap doesn't go that far down, but there was this little flap, and the flap was there so that if the enemy had a back axe and they started hammering at them, this would stop them from being beheaded. See, the enemy likes to come and whack away at our salvation. He likes to whack away at our faith in healing, whack away in our deliverance, whack away in our faith in prosperity until the only thing we think salvation means is heaven. I grew up like that, actually. I, I knew that salvation meant I, I got to go to heaven one day. I knew if I was saved, I got to go to heaven one day. And that was good enough for me because I didn't know that there was more. But no, there is more. Salvation is actually a full package. When God gives you the helmet of salvation, you have access to healing, to miracles, to divine intervention. Okay, And so the, the enemy wants to whack away and make you think that none of that stuff matters. And the only thing that salvation is is heaven. And it's not, you guys. It's so much more. It's everything that Christ died for, you have access to now through your salvation in Christ. It's a full package. It's not just heaven. Okay, then we have the sword of the Spirit, verse 17. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Every Roman soldier would carry a sword that was attached to their belt. And they'd be, it'd be pulled out when they needed it. So if your belt is the word of God, the word of God is logos. There's another name called rhema. And so your sword is your rhema. If the enemy would get too close, you'd pull out your sword and you'd attack them. Well, if this is logos and this is rhema, rhema happens as you're reading logos, okay? So as I'm reading the word of God, I might, the, the Lord might quicken something or give me a revelation of something I'm reading that's going to attack the enemy with a double-edged sword. So that sword, sorry, I'm trying to get through. I'll go, I'll, Speed it up just a little bit. 
Okay, so we have belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, sandals of peace, shield of faith, sword of the spirit, helmet of salvation. That's six. However, there's actually seven pieces that a Roman soldier would have. So what are we missing? We're missing the spear and the lances in a pouch that's on the back. And so I can't help but think that verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, that prayer is symbolized by a lance or a spear, right? Paul said we must pray with all kinds of prayer. Prayer of intercession, praying in the spirit. Prayer gives us an opportunity to not be physically there, but still attack the enemy. The other night I was up at 3 a.m. or the other morning, I should say, and I've just tried to create a habit of when I wake up, Lord, what do you have for me? What do you want me to pray? And so I prayed. I texted my daughter who happens to be in Hawaii right now living, and I went back to, then I felt released. I went back to bed, and the next morning I woke up, and she said, Mom, the Holy Spirit had you up because I was up so sick, and I was throwing up at the time that you texted me, okay? There's, that's a simple story, but there's story of that. Even people say like what do you think about the situation or the circumstances that's happening in our world right now I don't know I'm not there I don't know what's happening across I only know what people tell me or what the news says but here's what I know I can take my lance or my spear and I can pray with the gift of intercession and I can tell the enemy to leave from here just being here okay so use your spear from a distance we can help you guys that's the end that's the armor all seven pieces. It's effective. We are standards. We're dressed in him. Remain in him. Let him infuse you with your power. You have access to everything that he has, including all the armor of God. So let me pray. Lord, we thank you for this armor. We thank you for what it means. We thank you for everything that you've given us access to. May we live, live as victors, as standards. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.